0: and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship, and sex alchemist, Milica Jelenic.
1: Oh, welcome, sweet pleasure seekers. So delightful to have you with me this evening when we're going to talk all about aphrodisiacs. What a delightful topic. And just thinking about that word, aphrodisiac, I'm wondering what comes to mind for you. I'm sure a few things. Before we dive deep into this topic, I'd like you guys to know a little bit about what I offer in my private practice, which are a few things. So one of the things that I offer is sex and intimacy coaching. So if that's something that you're like, what is that? Does that mean I get to have sex with you? Well, probably not. However, you do get to learn more about what you desire, what you would like, and how to actually have that. So that's kind of a beautiful thing about sex and intimacy coaching is you get to learn more and more about what you actually would like to have in your relationship, whether it's with self or whether it's with your partner, and then to be able to have some tools to make that happen. I also offer several other things my private practice, which involve body work, so I do a lot of body work that has to do with movement and receiving more flexibility in your body, which also results in more flexibility in your life, a lot of energy work I also offer, and I do some pretty cool stuff with something called radionics, which uses scalar-type technology to do biophysical analysis, as well as biophysical um, you could call them treatments, I suppose. So using photons of light to start to establish better health in body. So those are a few of the things I offer. And one of my very fun things to do in life is to talk to you sweet pleasure seekers here on The Pleasure Zone. It brings me such joy to get emails or phone calls from different callers letting me know that they've listened to an episode and the episode maybe opened their eyes or opened their life or just made them feel like everything's okay, like they're not so messed up about what they desire. So I love bringing information to the world and sharing it with all of you so that it'll also help you to just be maybe less judgmental of yourself, maybe a little more open to others, and being more aware of what is available out there that maybe you never even knew was available out there. Tonight's particular topic about aphrodisiacs is probably a lot wider than maybe you even considered. I know that as I studied a bit on the aphrodisiacs, I really started to get intrigued by how much information is out there and what aphrodisiacs really are and what qualifies to be an aphrodisiac and I'm going to share all of that with you guys tonight. So get yourselves all ready, get yourselves your ears open, your hearts open, your bodies revved. This is going to be a pretty fun episode and You know what? You won't even have to take notes on this because in the next week or so, I will have a call it like a a little article uh, available on Inspire Choices Network so that you can have some of the basics, the lowdown on aphrodisiacs and what to look for and what they can do for you. So part of my practice when I work with people regarding their health is to actually look at a lot of the things about what they're putting in their bodies. You know, that's you know we can go so many places with that. You know, and stick dildos in your bodies and penises and fingers and all kinds of things. In this case, I'm talking about food and minerals and vitamins and things like that. So when I do look at that for people and I work with them and see what their bodies are lacking in always fascinating to me to see that there are often different minerals that are lacking and that often has an effect on people's sex drive and their sex life. For example, having a lack of zinc in your body can actually result in having a lack of sex drive. There are a lot of foods out there that contain zinc. One of my very favorites is maple syrup delicious. If you don't live in Canada or somewhere on the east coast of America, you might have a little bit of a more difficult time locating this magical substance called maple syrup, which for those of you who are not familiar with it, it's actually a sap from the maple tree. Um, You can actually just drink the sap right out of the tree and it's pretty awesome. Not only is zinc something that increases your blood flow and your desire, essentially your desire as well, it's also incredibly healing for the body. So a lot of these things which are considered aphrodisiacs also have a lot of healing qualities and we will get into that. The first thing I'd like to talk about is what is actually an aphrodisiac? So what the heck does that word mean and how do we know what an aphrodisiac is? So when you look at the word aphrodisiac, you can break it down. It's actually derived from the word Aphrodite. And so Aphrodite being the Greek goddess of love, beauty, and desire, and a lot of things that have to do with sex and love and relationships. So when we're talking about aphrodisiacs, these are things that will increase desire. Another, I was playing with this thought, I actually posted on social media a question about whether we ourselves, like the question was, are you an aphrodisiac? Because I think that is something that we often negate or we don't even consider as we tend to look for aphrodisiac as being something that we seek outside of ourselves. And I'm a huge fan of seeking internally on the first try and then additionally to add to your life to seek outside of um, internally. So looking at yourself as an aphrodisiac just out of curiosity what would that be like for you if you could acknowledge that you maybe just maybe are an aphrodisiac what if you are something that actually increases desire in others and in this respect we're looking at desire as increasing sexual desire so increasing somebody's
2: genital,
1: you know, throbbing or (laughs) or whatever. Um, So we're really looking at what's going to increase that sex drive. And traditionally, a lot of things come into a few categories. Um, And we'll talk about some of those categories. But I think for a lot of you, you've probably heard of aphrodisiacs over the years. You know, there are some pretty common ones that are, pretty illegal, like rhinoceros horn. I think most people have heard about that being an aphrodisiac and or oysters. There's quite a few that are, that can be dangerous and there are quite a few that are very common foods that you would never even necessarily think about. And some of those common foods have changed over the years. They started out as aphrodisiacs and then they became so common that they're not really any longer regarded that way because they've become so common. However, if they were at one point, they might still be aphrodisiacs. So for you in your life, if you look at this, instead of having me kind of like give you the low, I will give you the lowdown. but I'm just curious for you, what are some things that increase your desire? What are, you know, are there things that are internal um, in your body that increase your desire, whether that's or different responses through your mind, body connection, through visual stimulation, through smell, through sight, through feel. Usually, your senses are involved in these aphrodisiac responses, as well as there are actual body systems that are involved as well, where different hormones are excreted. And blood flow increasing and that sort of thing. So what for you turns you on? That what for you increases your desire? For example, for a lot of men, there was a study done and it shows that for a lot of men, cinnamon is a an aphrodisiac. However, if you're a guy who hates cinnamon, that is not going to be an aphrodisiac for you. So aphrodisiacs, as much as there can be these categories, there is also a very personal response to all of these different stimuli. so being aware of what is an aphrodisiac for you is so helpful so that you don't end up you know being around something that actually completely turns you off. you know if your partner is like, "Oh, but the book says that cinnamon will turn you on." And then, you know, you're around cinnamon and you just want to bash somebody in the head. Um, It's kind of like aromatherapy where people sometimes say, oh, lavender will calm you. Um, For me, lavender agitates me. And for some other people, it might agitate them as well. So, again, these smells, especially uh, for me, they can have very they can have very different responses, physiological responses and emotional responses than maybe they were intended to have
2: or that people have established is some sort of truth about
1: them. So again, the question is, what is an aphrodisiac for you? As much as an aphrodisiac needs to have this qualifying thing that's about aphrodisiac is something that increases your desire, that's one of the qualifiers. It's also your desire, right? So what increases your desire? Much more than what increases somebody else's desire. There are some triads to aphrodisiacs. So aphrodisiacs can be enablers, enhancers, and they can also be Sorry, I've got a little something going on in my throat here. So we got um, enablers, enhancers, and exciters. And basically aphrodisiacs that excite are operating on uh, different levels of arousal. They're operating to increase desire and excitement. Um, to kind of understand that, yeah, you kind of got to get that there has been this established stages of sexual desire that have been put out. Um, Some of the established stages of desire are desire, our actual sexual desire, our desire itself, excitement, plateau, orgasm, and resolution. So that um, is an updated version. Helen Singer Kaplan came up with her one that was uh, adding the desire on. Originally, there were four stages, and then it has changed, so that's good. And desire in her model is the brain's spark plug for sex. So these different things, like enablers, enhancers, and exciters, are all part of the aphrodisiac family. So we're looking to have an increased level of desire and excitement aphrodisiacs usually lure a person into a state of sexual um, interest or or just like enticement. And sometimes they can have a, a physiological response in making the genitals engorge with blood. So that's pretty cool. And exciters, just like that name, they get the person, whoever is using that aphrodisiac, excited. Um, enhancers, enhance the excitement to make it even better and so what your are what their kind of the aim is is to sustain the arousal and to increase orgasm so that's kind of the the basic concept behind what does an aphrodisiac do so they can we're actually going to kind of have a bigger, even a bigger um, understanding of this because as much as those are three ways to understand how an aphrodisiac works the enablers, the enhancers the exciters, there is a more a sort of a more way to categorize these things, and they come into some pretty pretty cool things because. The, new, the other categories also give us awareness about how these things could change over time. How, you know, as much as some things might be rare 200 years ago and were considered an aphrodisiac then, are not an aphrodisiac now because they are not so rare. So we're going to look at those, but first we're going to go to our first commercial break. So you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial.
0: Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melissa Yelenich where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich, you you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. with central movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today from the U.S., call 815-880-TALK. That's 815-880-8255. From Canada, dial 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Or send your questions or comments via email to info at com. Now, back to the program.
3: Hello, sweet pleasure seekers. Welcome back from break. Just before break, we were talking about some of the ways that we can categorize aphrodisiacs. And there are some kind of different triads that are different ways to label aphrodisiacs. And And just before break, we were talking about the enablers, the enhancers, and the exciters. Then we've got this other triad, triads of triads, actually. (laughs) So the other categories are, one category is the exotic, rare, and expensive. And another category is the mystical, magical, and occult. And the other one, which is wild, is the ineffective, dangerous, and unusual, which just before break i was mentioning as well about rhinoceros horn and, and that one's actually very not only illegal but dangerous um dangerous for its use and dangerous because if you did find it and you used it um you know and somebody knew that you used it you would it's on the endangered species list so you'd go to jail for that and not that there's actually even been any proof that it, that there is any like physiological proof or or anything that could actually say that this is true, that it works. But um, definitely, if somebody offers it to you, don't buy it because that is completely illegal. Um, some of the other ones you might have heard of are things like Spanish fly, and I'm just I'm not a fan of the Spanish fly thought either. Um, because one of the things that it does is is that it can actually give you an unhealthy, an unhealthily long uh, erection. So it can cause pain and different things that, if you're not taking the correct dose and you're not it's not being regulated, you can actually harm your genitals. So nay to the Spanish fly, guys. Even though if you're thinking that it sounds really good unless you have somebody who really knows how to give you the right dose i would say don't do it one of the most common aphrodisiacs is actually alcohol which is pretty easy to get in most countries unless you're in countries where it's illegal um what it pretty much just the whole point of alcohol being an aphrodisiac is because it lowers your inhibitions so you get kind of excited for that mind you then when you go to the extreme and you've had too much of it you can have impaired judgment and mood swings and all kinds of things and create fights that you never even wanted to have and oh, just it can just be a pile of crap plus drinking and driving not a good idea so let's avoid um that as a potential uh, aphrodisiac as well you know having a glass of wine if you are used to that is one thing but uh thinking that if you have ten you're going to be sexier not so much. So there's, you know, there's something about aphrodisiacs that in some doses it can be really good and really fun, and then in larger quantities can be totally dangerous, like the Spanish fly could be totally dangerous. So knowing that, um, know, knowing what actually works for you is really helpful. And that's partly why I was saying, like what is an aphrodisiac for you? And then going from there and and really starting to play with what works for you, so, for me personally, alcohol is not such a great aphrodisiac. I don't like the smell of it on on my lover's, and I don't like the smell of it on me, so for me, it's a turn off and um for some people, it's not, so it's again, it's very personal, and there's a whole even like things that are you think are so common that you know are under that under the rare exotic thing um back in the day chocolate was considered very rare and exotic and then they started to realize that chocolate actually um gets to the same part of the brain as an orgasm so as much as it was originally an aphrodisiac because of its rarity now there's evidence that it actually works on the part of your brain that gives orgasms. How freaking awesome is that? I dated a guy once whose parents worked for, one parent worked for one chocolate factory and another parent worked for another chocolate factory. I was in university and man, that guy would bring me chocolate by like the grocery bag full. Like I'm talking like 50 or 60 chocolates at a time. And, and i I didn't find it to be an aphrodisiac. I find it to satiate, like, my desire. So, poor guy, I was never that horny. But, again, I was in my 20s, and I was really afraid to get pregnant. So that was probably part of it, too. Um, When a person does eat chocolate, though, the part of their brain that feels sex is triggered. So, interestingly enough, I probably ate so much of it that I just felt like I was having sex anyways. And so there you go. Another one um, that's really common is oysters. Shellfish in general, um, they they will they have a lot of zinc in them. So like we were talking about earlier with maple syrup, it has zinc. So you can have things like oysters to increase your zinc, but it will also increase those blood flows and get your sex drive going. Zinc is super important to sex drive. So if you're feeling like so unsexy, get your zinc checked. Or contact me, and I can find a way to check your zinc. I know how to check your zinc. But yes, that's an option. So, there are some other things that are pretty easy to look at for, like, trying to figure out what is this going to be an aphrodisiac or is this an aphrodisiac? And the list is like truly massive around like what is or isn't an aphrodisiac and pretty much everything that you can imagine is on the list including things like beans that you might think oh man beans they make you fart but beans themselves when they're cooked they become kind of soft and they have um they resemble different things like different erogenous zones almost like nipples or clitorises so Even sometimes when people refer to the G spot, they refer to it as like this bean feeling. So different descriptions, of course, but so they're kind of surprising. And like I mentioned earlier, did I mention earlier? I just think I was thinking about mentioning earlier that even like things like tomatoes. Tomatoes were actually originally called love apples uh, when it was referred to as an aphrodisiac No, they're just common. They're everywhere if you live in North America. And in a lot of other countries in the world, they're eaten all the time. Strangely, actually, because tomatoes are part of this family of foods that are, uh, what's the word for them? They are like eggplant and tomatoes. They're all uh, this, I can't remember the word for it. Right now, but um, they're actually deadly nightshade. That's the that's their term. And so they were, they're considered almost. Um, they were they were actually considered poison. So somehow somewhere somebody ate one, and it must have been delightful. And then they all decided that this is an aphrodisiac, and it hasn't been around that long really, because in Europe it was, it wasn't um, around only until the last couple hundred years, and. Uh, it's Yeah, it used to just be considered deathly, so it's interesting. And then when you look at foods in general, if you want to just start to learn how to classify, that could be an aphrodisiac or that might not be an aphrodisiac, look at the ones that, when you look at them visually, either look like a phallus, a.k.a. penis, or look like a vulva. So things like like different exotic fruits like pomegranates, figs, and pineapples, and papayas. If you cut a papaya in half and you really just look at the papaya and you take the seeds out, a lot of people say it looks quite like a vulva. So so men and ladies and everybody out there who would really like to practice their um, their skills, their oral skills, you know, get a papaya if you're not allergic to it. And enjoy it. Just, you know, eat it up, lap it up, and have a lot of fun. It's also quite juicy, so you are can have kind of an experience with that. Just kind of like guys, you know, watching women eat bananas and getting turned on by it. Why? Because they look like penises. Or, or even guys watching guys eating bananas, whatever you're into, so my my friend uh, is in the chat room saying, there's a class in there. You know what? If you guys want to have a class with me on watching me eat different fruit and how to make it like an aphrodisiacal experience, I'm totally in. Actually, where this conversation was leading is that there's this fascinating movie out in the world that's called, I think it's called Beyond Dinner. i just got to double check that. And... The um, yes, it's called Beyond Dinner, and I I don't know if you can still get it, but it used to be on Vimeo. And it is like a, kind of like a documentary, but not totally, um, and sort of like pornography at the same time. It's it's a wild mix, but it's a, a movie about aphrodisiacs. It's a movie about experiencing aphrodisiacs in this totally luscious environment. And this woman, I believe she's in California, holds these dinners called the Beyond Dinners where you go as couples and you get to test out all of these phenomenal foods made by this top-notch chef. And so there are eight courses and there are eight couples. So for every course, you sit with another partner and you get to experience the aphrodisiac food in front of you Whether you're feeding it to each other or eating it in front of them or rubbing it on their body or sticking it on their genitals and eating it off of them. It's kind of like a very open love fest with food and pretty amazing to me that this is out there and this is available. And when I watched the video, I was like, damn, I'd like to hold one of these. So one day, possibly in the future, I will be posting something to that effect and I would also like it to be educational, so people would actually know what they're eating and you know what the purpose of that is as well. I know it might take away from some of the sexiness of it, but it might add to the sexiness because I'm quite attracted to brilliance. So I'm thinking whoever would come to my class would also be attracted to knowledge, information, and sensual experiences all at the same time. Mm, so delightful. So I have so, so much more to tell you about aphrodisiacs, and I hope you stick around. We are heading to our next commercial break, so stick with me here, and we'll be right back after this commercial break.
0: Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melissa every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested
2: in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism.
0: This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist, Milica Jelanić. To participate in the program today from the U.S., call 815-880-TALK. That's 815-880-8255. From Canada, dial 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Or send your questions or comments via email to... Info at com. Now, back to the program.
3: Hello, 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 sweet pleasure seekers. So in this little segment of our show, we're going to be talking about the different foods. And I know just before break I mentioned we're going to keep it pretty simple. Um, the one way for you to look at the foods and keep it pretty simple is to look at which ones look like penises and which ones look like vulvas whether that's looking like vulvas without being cut open or looking like vulvas when you do cut them open. And then there are some that are truly, they just have like some good stuff in them that increases your blood flow to the groin. So there are different foods that are like flirt foods, seduction foods, and performance foods. Under the category of flirt foods, it's anything that's going to imply sex and also any food that's going to actually send blood to your genitals or even to your nipples, whatever, I'm just going to turn you on. Um seduction foods are a different category. So they're also going to be genital looking, but they are um they actually supply energy and they they're considered stimulants. So things like chocolate is actually like a stimulant. And then we've got things like the performance foods and they are about getting the energy into your body. And and they're also about keeping your body feeling sort of like maintained but not overly full cuz you don't want to feel uncomfortable so they're high kind of high energy high performing foods so if you're like what the heck could any of those be i'll give you the low down on a few of them just so that you can have an idea so for example some flirt foods are things like chili peppers um i know for some people that might be really hard to stomach because like too hot. But if you do eat chili peppers, you'll notice that sometimes your face flushes and you might get a little sweaty and your body just feels different, like internally it can start to feel hotter. So if you do like kind of chili-spiced food, you might notice that it also kind of turns you on. So all those, you know, go to Zindian restaurants and get yourself some chili peppers. And then there's bananas as well. Um, They actually contain a chemical that increases happiness. also increases self-confidence and sex drive. I eat bananas, like, daily. I don't actually like the taste of bananas that much. They kind of bore me. But at the same time, I like them in a smoothie because they just add a little something. So if you're like, ugh, I don't like bananas either you know but you might like banana bread you can still get um this particular chemical called bufotenin um that to start to actually come out of your brain if you have it in different ways whether you're you know slipping it into a smoothie or whatever and then uh, carrots as much as you know if you really look at a carrot you're like boy if a penis looked like that not such a good thing however they do have the sort of phallic look about them and they are really uh, increase sex drive as well, and they're highly fibrous, and so they actually supercharge the body, and helps the body feel strong. So they're, you know, actually when you cut a carrot and you slice it and you look on the inside of it, it looks like kind of like an iris of an eye, and ironically, it actually heals eyes as well. So that's kind of a side note, and. There's another something called clary sage, which is more of like a, mm, I would say it's more like a herb. But like I would add it as a, as something to like a stew. Um, but it's apparently it's supposed to actually relax, and it's supposed to create intoxicating effects. So I use uh, clary sage in things like stews myself. So just so you have ideas of where can you actually use this stuff then i suppose you could also use sage and teas cuz i've had that too and it's quite nice and now we've got we're going to move into the seduction foods things like oysters and shrimp and chocolate definitely stay away from the oysters and shrimp if you have a thing that you're allergic to shellfish and i want to mention this because sometimes you might think that you're like getting you're like increasing your libido or something and then you come to find out that the person you're with or that you're just about to have sex with, is actually allergic to these things, you could truly kill them. So just know um, know your partner before you try and do these seduction foods. And if you are going on a date, and, you know, find out if people have these food allergies. It would really, really suck if you go out and you're trying to seduce somebody, and in the meantime you end up in the hospital because they're having an anaphylactic experience. So... That's just a little heads up. I know it sounds obvious, but it I don't actually think it is, guys. I just don't think it's that obvious. So some things to think about. I mentioned that because one of the suction foods is actually chocolate. And I have a friend, and her girlfriend is allergic to chocolate. And she can't be around her girlfriend for like four or five hours after, until, you know, she can have chocolate, but then she has to wait four or five hours to be around her girlfriend because her girlfriend will go anaphylactic, so you just need to be aware of these things. And chocolate, you know, increases your you know drive because it's got caffeine in it, and the there's something in it called phytosterol, which mimics the human sex hormones, which we talked a little bit about. And then uh, we've got ginger because it increases the blood flow to the genitals. To both men and women, and olives, and that's mostly for women, and tomatoes, and mostly tomatoes are just because they were considered so um, dangerous, I guess, like there was more about the um, them being sort of forbidden fruit, so when you think about that, like what are some of the forbidden foods? that takes you right back to Adam and Eve, doesn't it? And kind of how far back this whole concept goes is like way back to the whole Adam and Eve story and forbidden fruit. If you're not Christian, don't worry about the reference. It's literally like two people ate a forbidden apple. Well, one ate it, the other one enticed the other to eat it. And then all of humanity changed because of this aphrodisiac. Crazy. So when we get down to it, there actually are apples on this list as well. (laughs) And... They're just because they are the fruit of temptation, but they are filled with vitamins and minerals that can also stimulate sexual desire. So um, some performance ones are things like licorice, which I personally love. And licorice is fantastic for women. It's, um, it actually increases estrogens and it stimulates sex glands and... Uh, It brings oxygen to female genitals 40% faster. Isn't that so cool? I love, I personally love licorice. um, But when they say licorice, they're talking about black licorice or like licorice root. So true licorice, not like Twizzler licorice. And then uh, pumpkin pie or pumpkin pie seeds. And that's really good for men and for increasing penile blood flow and actually eating pumpkin pie or pumpkin pie seeds will increase on average the blood flow to a penis 40% faster. And I mentioned earlier about cinnamon and how, you know, you got to really think about is this a turn-on for some people or is it a turn-off? But cinnamon has actually been used in treating impotence, and it's actually been um, proven to sexually stimulate men. So There's different foods, for sure, for different purposes, and when you look at most of them, they have something in them that would be um, either a mineral or a vitamin that is going to stimulate your genitals somehow, increasing blood flow. I think some of them, too, are funny. Like, some of them are garlic, which you think, well, if you're having garlic, uh, not such a stimulant, like it's kind of smelly, and... My dad, my, I'm going to tell you a story about my dad because I'm talking about aphrodisiacs, but my dad is an avid grower of garlic. So in the springtime, when the baby garlics are coming up, he calls them green garlics, I think that's how he translates it, um, he will eat, like, on average, 30 baby garlics like a day. So he grows hundreds of them, and while they're still, like, in their baby form, he eats them by the freaking truckload and he stinks like profusely of garlic (laughs) Um, mind you it is actually really good for your blood but um, I think again this is one of those ones where you actually can have too much so uh, side note story which is cute and funny was when I about the second year maybe I was dating my husband I went uh, to my dad's during one of his garlic days and I thought that I would cooked this, like, garlic up pretty good. And I thought it was, you know, pretty mild in comparison to what my dad smelled like. I was pretty mild. But I came home, and it was the first time that my husband... And it was the only time my husband wouldn't sleep in bed with me because I smelled so bad. Um, but on a lot of other occasions, he just does it because he's like, I snore and I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. But... Um, This one was specifically, I smelt so freaking bad from that fresh garlic that it was not an aphrodisiac. So FYI, as much as some of these things on the list say they're aphrodisiacs, be logical about this. Does your partner want to smell your breath all night and you have dragon breath and you almost kill them? That's not sexy. Just saying, just think about this, not so sexy. And even though it might taste so freaking good to you, it might not smell so freaking good to them. So that brings us back to the what is an aphrodisiac for you? What's an aphrodisiac for your partner? What do they actually like to smell? What do you like to smell? What do you like to taste? What do you like to feel? Because there is uh, also these different uh, psychological reactions to things. So what do you like to feel? What turns you on? What increases your desire when you touch it? Certain materials, for sure, for me... Like I could just touch them and my whole body goes, wow, and just wakes up. And um, there are other things like where you touch them and you just you come alive. So my question again, and I'm going to repeat this, is are you actually an aphrodisiac? Are you willing to be one? And what would you actually have to choose in your life and in your body and in your embodiment to know and to step into being the aphrodisiac you truly are? How fun would it be to just know that you can walk in to anywhere and you can increase people's desire? Just your existence increases their desire. Sexual desire, their turn on, their body is like alive and awake and ready to get her going. And the cool thing is, even if you turn them on, you still have choice. Yes, men. Yes, women. You are allowed to turn people on and still have choice. So even if you're willing to be an aphrodisiac, you still have choice as to whether you take the next step. And so do they, right? There's choice. So just know that. And I think a lot of times we might avoid being the aphrodisiac. We truly are because we think we're obligated to sex or something silly like that. So this is no obligation, total turn on. How much fun can you have just enjoying being the aphrodisiac? You truly are. Hmm. Think about that one for a second. We're heading to our last commercial break here on the Pleasure Zone on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial.
0: Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Jelanić where she will entice you and your body to know your own Pleasure Zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Milica Jelenic, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
2: Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Milica Jelenic is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.MilicaJelanić.com.
0: This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today from the U.S., Call 815-880-TALK. That's 815-880-8255. From Canada, dial 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Or send your questions or comments via email to info at milicajelanić.com. Now, back to the program.
3: Hello, sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. Welcome back to the Pleasure Zone. In this little segment, we're going to talk about some of the crazier, more mystical, magical, and occult things that are kind of more on the edge of, like, like all things magic and maybe things that people just kind of brush away because they think, ah, eh, whatever, that's, like, from the 1400s, and that's got to be crazy. So some of these things are things like scents, like saffron and musk and sandalwood and patchouli. Personally, those are some of my favorites. I prefer musky smells to floral scents, so to me, those would work. Those are like definitely like sexy smells for me. I'm like a hippie, and I like hippie smells. <laughs> so, uh, there, from the mystical, magical, and occult, there were actually things called filtres, uh, which were love potions that were sought to arouse love and desire for people whenever they were drank. So um, I actually have a friend who lives in Winnipeg and she creates magical elixirs. Uh, If you want to know more about her, I'm not going to announce her name on the show because I didn't get permission before saying this, (laughs) but you can write to me and I can hook you up with her and her magical elixirs. And um, they have different qualities to them, so... You know back in the day, there would be people who were selling magical elixirs all over the place, and that went from being crazy to you know now it's come all the way full circle to being healing now it's gone through its stages throughout history so um so like love elixirs what you know for you if you were gonna make your own love elixir what w- would you put in it like what would you want your very um you know, the lover of your choice to start to drink. You know, it might be weird stuff. You might be like, I want to put my pussy juice in there because that sounds delightful. I don't know how long pussy juice lasts, frankly. Like, if you're going to put pussy juice into an elixir, I don't know what the shelf life of pussy juice is, but I'm going with maybe a day or two and maybe put it in the fridge. I'm just thinking, like... Because, one of the reasons is because actually a healthy vagina has really healthy microbiome in it, and it actually can be healing, so uh, the whole concept to me sounds pretty legit. It could be both for love, but also for increasing um, health in general, so I think that could be fun, and (laughs) Uh, yes, I just said that here on my show that you you guys can all go out and create your own happy, healthy love elixirs by putting your your love juice into a bottle. <laughs> so some of the weird, weird, weird ones that are the ineffective, dangerous, and unusual ones are things like uh, bear's gallbladder, bird's nest soup. If you've never heard of that, go look it up. It'll make you want to vomit. Um, things like different testicles of animals, like bull's testicles. There's a whole celebration that happens in Canada. They uh, what is it? They call them prairie oysters. They're bull's testicles. And there's like, I don't know how many thousands of bulls get their testicles removed for this crazy freaking festival. Um, then they become, I think, steer. I don't know. I know there's like a difference between bull and steer. And I think bulls have their testicles and then... Seer don't, anyway, whatever that is. But um, even things like toad venom and cobra blood and sparrows, like, just want to puke, right? Definitely verging on dangerous. So uh, likely not to work, just saying. But that is a category of the ineffective, dangerous, and unusual. I think, though, that... um, Oh, that's really funny. I actually think I have the information on how many of these uh, testicles. So, yes... The testicle festival is, um, it's the testy fest with 5,000 pounds of deep fried testicles. That's what happens. It's actually uh, called the Rocky Mountain Oysters. And isn't that excited? Oh, I thought it was in Canada, but it's actually in Clinton, Montana. So now you know, if you want to have that experience of bull's testicles, go to Clinton, Montana and enjoy the crap out of that. So, so many things. Isn't it fascinating? And then to just think about, those are, you know, things people ingest, the magical, mystical, and occult. What kind of love elixirs are people taking and using? You could make your own. Just saying, what would you put in it? And looking at all the other things that, you know, are things that we touch, things that we smell, things that we taste. I think that the whole... The whole gamut of aphrodisiacs, not only do they change over time because of things that go from being rare to being really available, things like strawberries that are considered aphrodisiacs used to be quite rare, and we could only get them for like a few weeks of the year. And they would even have strawberry festivals. We still have strawberry festivals where I live, and they, you know, there's like a whole sort of culture dedicated to these strawberries. And when you slice those babies open, too, and you look at them, they have a little bit like a nipple look. Or even when you look really close and you've sliced one in half, it's like a tiny little vulva. How exciting is that? So most of these foods, and you'll recognize them by their shapes, if you just go into the grocery store this week, look around for all crazy, wild, and different things that you could just imagine could be and aphrodisiac, And then I dare you to pick up a few and test them. Uh, hopefully you're not allergic to them. And experiment with yourself and your lover and see what's really fun for you to play with and have your own little beyond dinner fest in your own home and see what's fun in terms of experimentation and aphrodisiacs.
1: Until next week, have stay tuned in and turned on.
0: Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich.